you've been keeping count, today is the 10th day of Christmas. As an ordained person, it is my sacred and solemn obligation to make sure that you all remember that Christmas is more than just a day. It is a season. It is still okay to say Merry Christmas. My contract says that I have to say that to you this morning. Here's the thing, though. I know that it's still Christmas, but in some ways it feels like Christmas is long, long over. We still have our tree up in our house. It has lots of bald spots as the needles continue to fall each day. Nearly all of the candles on our Advent wreath have burnt down to small nubs, so it's kind of dangerous to light them uh, each day like I do. The other day I threw away our Christmas poinsettia because the leaves were stalling, starting to fall to the ground and I was worried that our dog might eat one of them. We're hanging on to Christmas in our house, but the rest of the world seems to have moved on. Catherine and I were in a Target store the other day, and one of the things that I did as soon as I walked in was make my way to the Christmas candy aisle to see if I could find all of the discounted candies there. And right next to that aisle in the Target store was uh, the Valentine's Day aisle, all set up and ready to go. And when we stopped by CVS the other day, in addition to their Valentine's Day's display, they also have the Reese's chocolate Easter eggs all out and ready to go. The world, the world is well past the Christmas season, and maybe, maybe you and I are too. I always wonder if the Holy Family, Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus, I, I wonder if they were ready to move past Christmas, ready for Christmas to be over at this point in the story. Were they ready for their lives to get back to normal? The angels and the shepherds have all left to return to their work. The wise men, we're told in the beginning of today's reading, have come and gone, and now things are going to quiet down for the family. At least that's what they were hoping for. But it's, it's not what they get in today's story from Matthew's gospel account. What we hear today is a very dark story devoid of all the Christmas sentimentality that we know and love. This is a story not meant for children, but for adults. And so to prove this point, I've spent the past couple of weeks doing some deep theological work. I decided a couple of weeks ago that I would go through all of the children's Bibles that have been given to my son over the past year to see if I could find this story in those Bibles. Not one of them contained the story that we hear from Matthew's Gospel account today. Each of the Bibles skipped around between Luke and Matthew's accounts of Jesus' birth, but none of them dared to touch this story. This is not a story that is meant for children. It is meant for adults. It is, as one of my favorite preachers likes to say, a story about monsters doing their very best to gather with the angels at the manger. In fact, this story is so dark that sometimes in the Sundays of the Christmas season, we don't even hear it read. We just skip right over it entirely. This is, as I said a couple of minutes ago, the 10th day of Christmas, but the story that we heard today is is always read on the fourth day of the Christmas season, a day that we call the Feast of the Holy Innocents. On December 28th of each year, the church remembers the Holy Family's flight into Egypt and the innocent children slaughtered by Herod the Great. 
Herod, we are told at the beginning of Matthew chapter 2, hears that the Messiah has been born and calls all of the religious leaders together so that he can find out where the child is. When he learns that the wise men know of the baby's location, he instructs them to send word once they've found him because he too wants to see the child to pay homage. What the text also tells us is that Herod is extremely frightened of this baby Messiah. When the wise men fail to deliver him word of the baby's whereabouts, we're told that he orders all of the male children in Bethlehem who are two years old or younger to be killed in hopes that the baby might be among those slaughtered. But as we know, an angel has already instructed Joseph to take Mary and the baby to Egypt to seek refuge, and by God's grace, the baby is spared. This dark, gruesome story is part of the the drama of Jesus' birth as told by Matthew, and the church has always insisted that it be read at some point within the Christmas season. And I always ask, but why? Why is it important to listen to this account during Christmas, a season filled with joy and hope and laughter? Wouldn't this story be more appropriate for Lent or Holy Week or, or even Advent, those seasons that have heavier, darker themes? Can't we just stick to the children's Bible versions of Jesus' birth during Christmas? Now, it's important to note a couple of things about this story that we hear today. The, The first thing is that it's universally agreed that Herod the Great was a barbarous ruler who murdered religious leaders, political opponents, members of his own family, and basically anyone he did not like. The other thing to note is that many scholars are not certain that this story is not certain about this story's historicity. Matthew's telling of this story is the only extant version. No other known early Judeo-Christian document records this story, and its retelling later in the Christian tradition is based solely on Matthew's version. But while this story may seem unconvincing to some historians, I think that one only needs to look to the world around us to see that what Matthew records really isn't that unimaginable. How many families, for instance, in our world are being dislocated, forced to flee from their homes to seek refuge in other countries because of fear of violence or danger or death? How many children are being killed each day in this country because of gun violence? How many leaders and public figures make threats based solely on the fear of the other? Matthew's story today is dark and difficult, but when we begin to look around us, we realize the horrors about which he writes are still taking place even today, and this, so this story starts to become just a little more believable. But we still might rather not hear it during the Christmas season. Henry Nouwen, the Catholic priest and writer, once wrote that in life we are always really grateful for all of the good things, but We work really hard to forget all of the hard things, the pains, the disappointments, the horrors of life. But he says, Jesus calls us to recognize that gladness and sadness are never separate, that joy and sorrow really belong together, and that mourning and dancing are part of the same movement. There's a reason, I think, that the church fathers and mothers and the lectionary compilers placed this story when they did in the Christmas season. They are trying to remind us that even in the times of greatest joy, we can't altogether ignore the horrors and the pains in the world. 
Fleming Rutledge, the Episcopal preacher that I mentioned earlier, says that the only way that we can defeat the monsters of this world is to not be afraid to name them, to call them out, to remember that our vocation as Christians is to attend to the horrors of the world by sharing the good news, the hope that we have in the Incarnation. That must be, I think, why Matthew includes this grim story in his birth narrative, to let us know that in Jesus, in the one who is called Emmanuel, we know that God is with us, that God has come near to us, that God has said, I'm going to be in this world with you, and I'm going to face the same things that you face, fear and disappointment, violence, and yes, even death. That must be why Matthew includes this story, to remind us that even when we have to flee to faraway lands to seek safety and refuge, we are not alone. We do not have to suffer alone. We do not have to fear alone. We do not have to live or die alone. Because the Messiah, the Christ, has come into the world, we are not alone. That is what the Incarnation is about. That is what Christmas is all about. Last week, Sarah beautifully and poetically reminded us that life is messy, that we are messy, and that the world is a messy place. And it's in this mess that God comes to be among us. I won't speak for you, but most of my days are wonderful and beautiful and filled with joy and goodness and grace and love. I hope that's true for you as well. Most days it is very easy for me to see that God is with me, that God loves me, that God is in my life. But then there are other days, grittier days, harder days, days which test and try me and disappoint me, and sometimes on those days it's a little harder for me to see how God is with me during all of those times. The story that we hear today reminds me reminds us that God is a part of everything. God is a part of all of that, holding us, comforting us, promising us that he will always stay with us through the good times and through the hard times, that nothing, nothing, not life, not death, not angels, not rulers, not things present, not things yet to come, not powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation can separate us from the love of God that we each have in Jesus Christ our Lord. On this tenth day of Christmas, we remember that the the story begins with the wonderful birth of a child, a, a child who was born into a broken, difficult world filled with sorrows and joys. But the story doesn't end there. It it continues until the child is grown and begins his work of preaching and teaching, healing and loving, reminding us of God's mercy, that God is with us in this world. Matthew's story of the murder of the innocent babies is is hard for us to hear during the Christmas season. It's, It's hard for us, I think, to hear during any time of the year. But it matters for a couple of reasons. It reminds us that we are, to the best of our abilities, we are called to name the monsters, the horrors that are, the terrors that are all around us, and we're called to to stand up to them. And the story, I think, also reminds us that even in a world with unjust rulers, a world filled with violence, personal illnesses, grief, loss, and pain, we can trust, and we can know, and we can believe that God is always with us. Amen. Thank you.